0: You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and
1: Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by TJ Ward at the four yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again on
2: Overtime Media. And it looks like we are live. We're going to let this breathe for just a second. Make sure we got green check marks across all of our glorious platforms. Looks like we are good to go. Mile high. Hello, everybody in Broncos country and welcome into another episode of the Dub Valley Deep Divers podcast. I'm your host, Lance Sanderson. And joining me as always is uh, your Denver Broncos insider, mile high huddle senior NFL draft analyst, my good friend and colleague. He is the one and only Eric trickle. Now, Eric, Denver Broncos training camp kicked off today. Today is Friday and, uh, it's, it was actually a lot of fun to be able to see some training camp videos, get some stuff going in on Twitter, a lot of very good news coming out of uh, Dove Valley right now, including some stuff from Jerry Judy got some other breaking news to kind of get to you guys as well. But before we get into that, man, long time, no see how we doing, buddy. So
3: I just got to say, it seems like you forgot who you're doing the show with there for a second.
2: No, not really. I, I, I have a spiel and it actually got twisted up and I said it backwards. So it's a, it wasn't, I forgot who I was doing the show with. It's just, you know, one of those brain farts is what we'll call it on, on this particular day, man. It's been kind of exhausting up in the Sanderson household with the, with the wee baby cave in, uh, crawling around, have a, uh, train of guests coming in i was off all week this week but still had to go to work unfortunately but uh not having i mean my folks in town having her folks come over and all of her family and all of my friends to come and meet the baby and everything like that it's just been nonstop. a train of people in in town which <laughs> not necessarily the the worst thing in the world but at the same time it's, it has been very tiring so do bear with me today guys i'm kind of a little bit behind so but no it's it's been it's been fun
3: yeah, man, it's been a long week for me up here. It seems like this week was about 30 days long. Um, I mean, just like the last few months, it seemed like it's been 30 years already. But, uh, yeah, it's just super been super tiring up here. Last week, I was super busy last weekend trying to get stuff done for videos and stuff like that. And so working basically two full weeks, it felt like and just just exhausted. I'm ready for a break. I actually get to have somewhat of a of a weekend this week, so um yeah just got to finish up some videos for you guys that are coming out here um well i'll be sending them in tomorrow or sunday but uh, yeah there's a bunch of stuff that chad already has that i sent in a bunch of videos there's a series about drew lock coming out um trying to think what else there's a my 53 man roster projections up and then there's going to be something with the practice squad coming up as well um and then i this week i'm sending in videos that have to do with the tight ends talking about albert Benam, noah fant um, some about the offensive line. I have some talking about the receivers. I think no running backs, and uh, talking about Melvin Gordon, Philip Lindsay, a little bit of that stuff. So hopefully you guys check that all out on YouTube, and uh, hopefully you guys are all subscribed on YouTube, the Mile Huddle YouTube already too. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so make sure you guys all check that out and everything. It's I I think anyways, it's some it's some pretty awesome content. And uh, but, you know, I'm the guy who who did it and <laughs> recorded everything. So, of course, I'm going to think it's great. But, uh, yeah, it's a big day in uh, training camps underway. And it's a day that I didn't think was going to come there for a while. Glad it's here. Um, nice to see some of the news that's coming out of it. And, uh, yeah, just super excited to get into this and just break down a little bit from day one of training camp.
2: Yeah, man, I'm. I was pumped to be able to see some stuff coming out. You know, there's some videos of Jerry Judy out there running around. Videos of Philip Lindsay catching balls out of the backfield against nobody, and everyone's making a big deal out of it. Um, there, <laughs> but uh, there's some some actually very interesting news. But guys, before we get into that, first off, let's say hello to everybody in Broncos country that's joining us tonight on this live stream. Uh, Zach's web design. What's up, dude? Duke uh, Scott coming in. Darian P's in the hizzy. Uh, let's see here. I have Terry Randall up uh, north of the 49th parallel, up in Canada uh mile high beauty what's up dude cody potter i know i saw peter Milton in the chat over in turkey showing that broncos country is not a geographic location it is in fact a hashtag state state of being now before we get going guys
3: go ahead sorry this comment i actually kind of want to figure out peter um are you talking about my roster projection from a few weeks ago and if so who was it because i can't remember who it was um 100%. jonathan harris i don't yeah, think John- I harris making the roster you, on you and I way. actually, I thought I had a Christian Covington.
2: You and I actually had it as Jonathan Harris when we did our, uh, the two hour show and, uh, we had, cause we that was the one that we went back and forth on. And you said that, uh, Jonathan Harris was going to be on the roster because Vic Fangio really likes him and they were going <laughs> to, they were going to keep him. That's, keep right. that's
3: right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> wrong. Um, yeah, that's right. That's Yeah, Um, I it's actually funny. don't know why he got cut. I, I mean, I was told multiple times that Fangio liked him, but, uh, yeah. Hey. Apparently not. Apparently not. Not. I mean, what well, may be the case too is that they may like him. They just not might may not have liked him more than other guys they had on the roster.
2: Yeah, that is what it is. All right, guys. Now, uh, matters of business really fast here. Uh, This is the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. You guys can follow the show at DVDD underscore pods. Easiest way to keep your fingers on the pulse of what's happening with the Dove Valley Deep Divers. You guys can also follow me at Sanderson MHH and for Eric at Eric Trickle. Notice the CK and Eric. Also, follow at Mile High Huddle for instant news and analysis, opinion articles, film breakdowns of your Denver Broncos. It's the easiest way to stay in tune with what's going on with the Denver Broncos. And right now, you're really going to want to Follow Mile High Huddle because I have currently a series going on on milehighhuddle.com breaking down the AFC West and ranking them, breaking uh, the positions by team. So no. over to check that out.
3: Lance, we got to change the title of it from uh, breaking down the whatever it is to angering Bronco fans.
2: Yeah, angering Broncos fans <laughs> right now. Because <laughs> that's really what you're doing. This is, it really is. It's, it's been a lot of fun, though. Got a lot of positive feedback. Now, uh, guys, if you're in a position financially to be able to do so, head on over to huddleuppod.com, get your merch. That's where you can find your hats, your t-shirts. There's a coffee cup, a face mask, hoodies, a little bit of something for guys, a little f- something for girls. Got the, the onesie that I'm going to get for Kevin here soon once I get a little bit more money racked up. Um, but there's something to fit, uh, to fit your fancy. And if not, the three easiest ways that you guys can support the show are by doing these three, these three things, excuse me, subscribe, wherever you're watching this specifically on YouTube, Apple podcast, Stitcher, anything like that, wherever you get your podcast, subscribe to mile high huddle, like every video that you guys see and watch. And if you love it, share it, share it to as many Broncos fans as you can to help grow the show. Now,
1: Hmm. Uh,
0: Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME.
4: Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint
2: To start off the episode, as far as what has going on in uh, training camp right now, Jerry Judy is stealing the, the headlines and comes out on day one and absolutely put up fireworks, guys. We're talking making it- deep corners. Uh, yes, it was against <laughs> depth corners. Let's let's first things first. Let's put that out there. He didn't actually face off against Bryce Callahan or AJ Bouye. He was going up against guys like Devontae Bosby, um, Michael Ojamudia, uh, Duke Dawson, guys like that. So the depth cornerbacks. He did still have a very good day. Ran very good routes from the side of it. Made a couple of really big plays down the sideline, including one where he cut on a dime and reversed field and ran for a touchdown. Another one down the right sideline where he made another defender miss as well, caught a touchdown pass as well. I think that one was from Jeff. Drill in the back of the end zone but Eric for the number 15 overall pick in the 2020 NFL draft Jerry Judy is looking like he's the real deal at least in one day I know there's it's let's pump the brakes just a little bit but what else have you heard coming out of Dove Valley man uh,
3: I just gotta say this about Jerry Judy I wouldn't say that one I mean obviously one practice doesn't make or break him but he's showing what he showed in college um, we knew he was a great route runner, and that's exactly what he's showing. And I mean, it's no surprise that he's able to beat up on these corners, these depth corners the Broncos have, because depth at corner has been one of the biggest things that I've been hounding as a weakness for so long. So I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm excited for him. But I want to see what he does against Callahan. I want to see what he does against Boyer, because he's not going to be facing guys like um, Isaac Adam, Devonte Bosby, Devonte Harris. He's not going to be facing guys like that every single week. He's going to be facing some tough corners. And quite frankly, I wouldn't be surprised to see him end up going against Chris Harris now that he's with the Chargers. And uh, that's going to be a fun battle to watch there um, if we're able to have it, of course. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not trying to sit here and be a downer on it. The hype is great and everything. But I mean, it's one day doesn't make a star. That's what it's going to be. It's one day doesn't make a star because we have seen in the past guys who come into training camp and absolutely tear it up. And then, of course, we had preseason games during these other years. That, and they fell apart in those preseason games, and they're out of the NFL now. Or they did enough to make the roster, <clears throat> Juwan Winfrey last year, yep. after having a good camp in preseason, and then fall apart and get benched, which is what happened with Winfrey. So, that's that. Like, I really hope he keeps stepping forward. I really hope that this is just the start of it. We'll see what happens. Um, I'm excited that we have a great route runner. We've needed somebody like Jerry Judy. I'm excited that he's out there making plays. But uh, just... Don't mind me if I don't go head over heels in love with him just yet.
2: No, and I totally agree with that. I mean, I understand. I was pumped just to to hear that Jerry Judy was out there and making plays, and honestly, to see it from everybody. I mean, Andrew Mason of DNVR, Zach Stevens, Ryan Konigsberg, all those guys, they did a really good job earlier today breaking down some stuff as well. Um, but uh, they were all tweeting out. Uh, Mike Kliss was tweeting out. Andy Lindall had some out there. It just seemed like everywhere you looked on Twitter there for about an hour, hour and a half, everything was coming out. Jerry Judy looks amazing. He's like – Either everyone is really turning their heads, and I mean he's he's actually getting some some really high praise from some of the veterans on the roster as well, including uh, Broncos starting safety Kareem Jackson, who said that uh, about Jerry Judy and his route running ability. He said, "quote I think it'll be very difficult because he has an unorthodox way of running routes." We were kind of talking about it earlier today. He can get in and out of his breaks better than anyone I've ever seen before. For him to be a rookie, his tempo and his routes. Uh, The way that he can change pace and the way that he sells things is very rare. It's going to be a challenge for opposing defenses and guys in the secondary. For us, getting a chance to see him every day is going to help us. There's another guy we see twice a year that kind of puts us in the mind of him in terms of getting in and out of breaks and running routes. I'm I'm assuming he was probably talking about uh, Keenan Allen there. Um, And for us to be able to see him on a day-to-day basis is going to help us. He's going to pose a challenge for uh, some other defenses as well, close quote. So for Kareem Jackson, I mean, 10, 11-year NFL veteran, to say some stuff like that, one of the best route runners in and out of his breaks, yes. This is some coach speak here. What else is he going to say? You know, I mean. Yeah, but still, that's that's some high praise coming out of a guy who's – been a a big vocal leader for this defense has played very at a very high level for the entirety of his career so to say some stuff like that i understand you don't want to like down on your guys but you don't go out and say something like that unless you mean at least 75 percent of it
3: tim tebow's our starting quarterback just gonna throw that out there tim tebow's our starting quarterback just throwing that out there for that Anyways, well, there's that, a couple things scary. out here in the
2: chat that I wanted to pick up real quick. That was John Elway that was saying that, though. I mean, John. But it's Elway's still
3: the whole thing manager. of coach speak. You don't down players that are currently on your roster, right? Like teammates, coach, general manager, vice president of football operations. It doesn't matter. You don't down players on your thing. You want to pump them up. But yes, that is that is high praise from there, and it's going to be interesting to see how true that actually is of a statement because we will find out either this year, next year, at some point, we will find out if what Kareem Jackson just said about Jerry Judy. Ends up being the truth or not, but, uh, but Shayleaf came in and says, "How come we haven't reached out to Logan Ryan yet?" Um, there's a few reasons for it. He still considers himself one of a well. Now he's I guess he's deeming himself a safety now, even though he played cornerback last year and he set out set out a bunch of stats or had his agent did of uh, starting safeties around the NFL that had him being towards the top of every single statistical category. But as I tweeted out, it didn't have things like uh, yards per snap, yards per reception allowed, receptions allowed, total yards allowed, touchdowns allowed, all of which that Logan Ryan was towards the top. He's just not that good anymore and has a high um, cost. Biggie Bronco said Isaac Adam ran with the number one today. He did. He's actually competing with Michael Ojumudia for the number three, two, technically, cornerback spot because Bryce Calhoun's going to move inside to the nickel. Um, that's actually one of the things that we we're going to talk about, so yeah, i would just yes, talk about that real quick. Um. During training camp, you always throw a bunch of things out there, see what happens. See, I mean, they believe in Isaac Adam. They believe he can de- develop, and he started to show flashes and moments of development towards the end of last year after he was benched, and then came back to be the um, number two corner for a little bit for the last few games. Um, so they want to see if he can continue to keep that up, keep that development going, and seeing if the competition will bring out the best of him. But it's it, it want the most interesting thing to me is I think a lot of fans had it as Devonte Bosby pushing Michael Ojemudia. But there is definitely a clear-cut line there between Isaac Adam, Michael Ojemudia, and then Devonte Harris and Devonte Bosby. So there is definitely a big a gap between those two. And that's probably one of the, the more interesting takeaways from this with Isaac Adam running with the number ones along with Ojemudia.
2: Yeah, that, that is actually probably the biggest thing. And honestly, let's just talk about the depth of this cornerback position really fast. Isaac Adams, the elder statesman there. He's going into year four right now, I believe. Is it year f- Yeah, year four. So he's the elder statesman. They're going to give the guy the, the as many opportunities as they can And being a former third round pick. I mean, obviously, Moody is going to come in. He's a better scheme fit. But right now, you, I mean... This is something that I've said on dub L Deep Divers. I've also said it, I believe, on Mile High Insiders as well, that I don't trust a rookie to come in and, and play at a high level right now. So why not at least try to milk whatever you can out of Isaac Yadam and get him on the field early and often, see if he can fit, see if he can make that transition and be the number two guy that you wanted him to be when you drafted him four years ago. Like this is this is not like rocket science, guys. Michael Lowe is yeah. out there, and he's competing for the, for the number two spot. He actually had an interception earlier today and is looking really good from everything that we can tell. But still, I would rather trust the Adam out there and see what he can do, even given his ups and downs, than trust a rookie to come in day one and start immediately. I really would. I, I would for training camp. Just, I mean, you let them go out there and you let them compete.
3: As I said, as you just kind of throw things out there, and that's kind of why I saw somebody else mention about why uh, Jerry Judy's running with the twos. And uh, they were throwing Tim Patrick and Deshaun Hamilton out there with the ones with Corland Sutton, just seeing what they could do. And it's hardly ever do you see rookies come in and be have a clear cut, the number clear cut, number two job or number three job or whatever. They have to have to go out there and earn it. So that's why we're seeing Jerry Judy running with the twos. He has to go out there and earn it. And Michael Ojemudia, Ojemudia why he has to compete with Isaac Adam is he has to go out there and he has to earn that spot. Yep. Isaac Adam is the one corner they have or had on the roster before drafting him. That they saw the most out of last year to sit in that spot. So I mean it's a it's a good sign that Oji Moody is already right there with Yadam for this positioning for it. But yeah, yeah. they gotta go out there and compete. And as you said, this is really Yadam's last chance. He either has to, shows that he can handle that at corner and develop, or next year he's definitely being moved to safety, or he's gone. Like those are the two options after this year if he doesn't cut it out at cornerback. So it's just them just kind of giving
2: him that final shot, really. Yeah. Uh, Cody Potter coming in with a with a super chat here. I like the defense this year and being in year two under Fangio. Can this defense eclipse the 2015 sack mark set by Denver at 52? I like our chances versus own lines we match up against this year. Hashtag orange crush 2020. Now, that's actually kind of an interesting question. It's really hard to project. Um, some statistics like that uh Fangio's defenses do a really good job of creating pressure but right now we got to see it from some of the interior guys um he really banks on a a strong interior pass rusher as well to try to open some stuff up and get some really creative uh, twists and stunts going um he doesn't like to bring a lot of pressure Uh, as far as blitzes comes he's not bringing extra rushes he's gonna rush three or four guys primarily for the most part now Bringing in Jarrell Casey, that's going to be a huge boost. One of the better interior pass rushers in the NFL right now. But we've still got to see more out of Draymond Jones, who's coming into year two, potentially a breakout player. Shelby Harris did not look good as a starter last year, is better in a rotational role. Mike Purcell really doesn't offer any kind of a pass rush aspect at all. But the biggest key here is having Bradley Chubb come back healthy. That ACL tear, I mean, even after he tore his ACL against Jacksonville last year, he came out, had, a, uh, I think it was a pair of sacks, a handful of pressures, a couple of huge stops, and finished out the game with a torn ACL. But I don't remember him I, having a sack, but I remember him getting pressures and everything. I I thought he had it. I thought he had at least one sack. I can't, I can't remember exactly, but anyways, so getting Bradley Chubb coming back and from what Vic Fangio says, he looks healthy. He looks ready to go. They expect him to be ready to, to compete day one. He was out there practicing earlier today. So it's, it's very huge to see that, uh, Jeremiah Tauchu, as far as a depth rusher goes there, I mean, 52 sacks to me is a little rich right now, but It's not completely out of the realm of possibility when you got a guy like Jarrell Casey on the inside that can really be a true disruptor. I mean, way better than Justin Smith was. Let's go back to San Francisco, uh, what, 2012-13, that time frame when Vic Fangio was a defensive coordinator. They had a pair of really good edge rushers in Alden Smith and Ahmad Brooks, and they had Justin Smith on the inside as an interior pass rusher, and they were wreaking havoc. They had a lot of sacks that year too, but 52, man, that's a lot. Um,
3: hmm. This this one's tough because there's a lot that really goes into getting that. Um, Von Miller has to have a bounce back year. Bradley Chubb has to have a bounce back year. Jarrell Casey has to have a bounce back year. Draymond Jones needs to step up. Shelby Harris has to have a bounce back year because mm-hmm. outside of passes pass deflections last year, Shelby Harris wasn't that good, guys. No, he wasn't. Um, all of his sacks were considered coverage sacks, which means they were more than three seconds after the snap. Outside of maybe I think one, um, once another. I mean, one of the sacks. Was against the Tennessee Titans and Marcus Mariota just ran straight to him. Like yeah. he didn't, he got stalled at the line and Marcus Mariota ran to him. God, Marcus Mariota was terrible. But uh, fifty-two is it's it's a hard number to achieve. I think they fall in somewhere in the forties. I don't think they eclipse that number just yet. Um, but I mean, who knows if Von Miller and Bradley Chubb really do have great years and bounce back? I mean, it could happen. I, I'm just I'm just not betting on it. I, I wouldn't bet
4: on it anyways.
1: This is the Overtime Podcast Network.
2: Another big thing that you got to take into, into the aspect of this is not only the pass rushers that are up in the front of the defense, but you got to take like take into consideration the secondary. And with Vic Fangio liking to play off, play in and cover three, not pressing guys yeah. at the line of scrimmage, like you're going to see a lot of quick passes and that's what killed the Broncos last year too. Quarterbacks were getting the balls out of their hands so fast and early in the downs, hitting the top of their drops and three-step drops, and and getting the ball out immediately. You know, and with the cornerback depth the way that it looks right now in, in Denver, it's it's hard to see that you're going to have you know more than a second and a half worth of time to get after the passer. That means guys have to win very quickly. Do you want to bet that that's going to happen? I don't think so. And I, I'm sorry that's a, again, this is me pissing off Broncos fans across the across the country, but that's what the, we do best. Yeah, that's really what – we look at things objectively. We bring you the best analysis that we can give. And with the cornerback depth right now, and you don't you don't know Von Miller, again, needs a bounce back season. Bradley Chubb's coming off a torn ACL. Jarrell Casey just got cut from the Titans, even though – and, I mean, his contract was an albatross oh, yeah. there. Well, traded, but still. <laughs> you know what I mean. The, 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 the Titans got rid of a, of a top five interior defensive, yeah, defensive lineman for chips. Like a bag of chips is what they got. To they, needed, it
3: they needed to offload that contract for Ryan Tannehill that's, and Derrick Henry, but
2: that, that's like fair, it, may, it makes sense
3: on their end. But you're not wrong. Like your whole the whole point you're making it's not wrong. It's actually a very astute point. Is as Joel Casey? He did have a down year last year, but he's still really good. He's still considered one of the best interior defensive linemen in the NFL. So yeah, I mean, yeah. As we said, we just wouldn't bet on it. I mean, it's they have the potential to do that, but just on thing. I mean, and the biggest point is the one that you made too. Is playing off coverage so much, you really open up the quick passing game, and we saw teams last year go to that to just counter Vic Fangio's defense, counter what pass rush that the Broncos were able to generate, and just move the ball effectively and efficiently that way for a lot of for a decent part of it. And I know that the Broncos de- defense ranked towards the top in passing. I think they're in like the top ten, maybe top five. Yeah, can't remember exactly, but I mean that that stat's really misleading when you turn on the tape, but. Uh, yeah, so it's going to be and, interesting. see. Yeah, I definitely like what it is. But uh, we got to get back to training camp. And <laughs> yeah. there's actually other big news that came out today. And unfortunately, um, Austin Fort, he suffered. He tweaked his knee during a team workout. And he has to have a scope done on it. And he's going to miss some time for that. And uh, this is a guy that a lot of people thought that last year. I mean, it was reported he was he made the roster last year. Like, that was said and done. Like He made the roster. Then he tore his ACL. Landed on injury reserve. So this year, I mean, he had a chance to come and compete, and I don't think he really had a shot at the roster, but I think the practice squad was really likely for him. And, I mean, still maybe, and once he comes back, maybe he's able to show enough there, because I'm sure the Broncos have plans for him in the future. Maybe next year competing with Nick Vanette for that that inline blocking role, which is something that Fort can do very well. Yep. Um, maybe that's what their plans are with him. At the very least, I don't see him not being with the Broncos this year, but I think, the, I think they can use this injury and eventually put them on injured reserve and just either bring them back later in the year, if they need to, of course, or just let them come back and compete next year.
2: Well, when you say bring them back later in the year, I mean, I'm not necessarily sure. I know what you're getting there with the design, like put them on IR with the designation to return. Um, The only way that I could see that potentially happening is just because everything might tweak with what's going on in the world. We don't know the, uh, the, the lists, the, the reserve lists and everything like that guys that get, get sick and, and get put on the reserve list. They might allow some more guys to kind of fluctuate back and forth off of that. I don't think he's going to be an IR designated to return. Kind of a guy who has to come back after what week eight, I think it is, uh, or eight weeks out after being on IR. You have you, like, they have to activate you or keep you on uh, injured reserve. But anyways, to me, it, Austin Fort really had the the best opportunity of any of the Broncos tight ends of unseating Andrew Beck because Austin Fort played fullback at Wyoming. I mean, I, I, I followed his career. He never was really playing at the tight end position. He's a very good athlete for what he does, but he played fullback primarily at the University of Wyoming and is a very good receiver out of the backfield. So to be able to unseat uh, Andrew Beck, as that tight, at, that tight end fullback, kind of a hybrid player, that was where his role was going to be. And I agree with you, Eric, that the practice squad was probably his biggest destination. But with him tearing his ACL last year, now he's got to go get a, a scope done. This is per uh, Nine News, Mike Kliss, uh, the Broncos mouthpiece for what it is. Um, he, he actually said they're, they're going to do a scope on him here in a, a few days, make sure everything's good to go. He'll be out at least probably four weeks. Uh, arthroscopic knee surgery is usually a four week recovery period. Well, by that time, we're already into the, the beginning of the res- regular season he's probably not going to make this roster ir seems to be probably the way to go and it's yeah. unfortunate now other tight end news coming out of dove valley right now this is actually kind of a surprise to me and it may be a surprise to everybody else in broncos country but the tight end three competition is not quite as clear cut and dry as what we thought it was going to be with fourth round rookie uh, albert Okuegbinam coming out of missouri being the guy that, they, that the Broncos are lining up in the tight end three. And this is actually Darian P has it up here on the screen. Why is Butt shown on every Broncos video they share on social media? Well, the reason that is is because Jake Butt and Troy Fumagalli are actually rotating reps at the third tight end position right now with Jake Butt looking very good and coming on strong, coming off of that torn ACL from last year. So, Eric, there's been a lot of hype coming out, and I've actually said it a couple times as well. If Jake Butt is truly healthy and if he can stay on the field, he has every right to be on this Broncos roster because going back to 2017 when he was drafted, he was the best tight end in college football at that time. A surefire top 40 pick, if not a first round pick and the torn ACL and whatever bowl game, I think it was a fiesta bowl. But when that happened, obviously you're not going to take a guy with a torn ACL, but he was the best blocker in the draft, the best route runner, had the nicest hands. There was still some issues you had to work with. But Jake Butt, if he can come back and play healthy, there's a chance he could be tight end two on this roster just because he's so much better as a receiver than Nick Vanett is.
3: Yeah, definitely. And I mean they've kept him around for a reason, right? Yeah. Like they wouldn't sit there, they wouldn't keep him around if they had any had no intentions of trying to do something with him for the future. In the three games he has played in, which it's unfortunate that it's all he had, he showed a lot. I mean, Bronco fans were super hyped about what he was able to show in those three games, and then he got hurt again. Um. So, yeah, it's a very, it's, it's a very obvious reason why the Broncos believe in him, why they're getting him out there, and why they want to see something from it. But this is his last chance. Yeah. I have no doubt in my mind that that is the case. This is his last chance to finally make it. He's got to stay healthy. They hope that they extended time off from it. Was a big help for him, being able to and getting his knee all cleaned up and everything. Hopefully, he hopefully he is because he looked he was impressive out there today. Like he was one of the most talked about players, probably like third or fourth most talked about player behind like Judy and Locke. Like then it was probably Butt right there. So they definitely like what they see. Troy from Magali, he's another one who he's just hasn't really shown it out there on the field. I mean, last year he was praised for how good his hands was. and he saw time in the season. He had struggles with his hands, so him getting that time. I mean, and who knows? This could be also a something to do more with Albert Okwebenam than but or Fumagalli. Albert Okwebenam, he's got a lot of hype from Bronco fans, but he's got a lot of issues. He is a terrible blocker. He can only run one run. He can only run one route at the moment. And that's a down the seam, basically. That's all he is. He can't turn. I mean, he can be a decent red zone weapon, but they have other guys to be that red zone weapon for him. So maybe the plan is to have Troy Famigali or Jake Butt be that tight end three behind Noah Fant and Nick Fennett, put Albert Ogaway, get Albert Ogaway, but I'm on the uh, practice squad where they're able to protect four players and protect him so another team can't claim him. Like, that may be their plan for it. And...
1: get ten dollars off your first purchase with code welcome 10 at caskers.com and
3: the injuries suck but uh, hopefully he gets it, hopefully he gets it together and hopefully he finally gets it um, is able to get out there on the field because as you said he was the most talented tight end in that class before the injury then he got hurt obviously things have changed since then I mean George Kittle has gone in the complete opposite direction of Jake butt I mean he's been out there almost like just almost every game like maybe he's I know he's missed some games with an injury but he hasn't had near the bad luck of that Butt has had with injuries. So
2: yeah. it's definitely
3: Jake, a, uh, um, something to keep an eye on going forward.
2: Jake Butt was one of my favorite players in the 2017 NFL draft. And right behind him, especially at the tight end position, was George Kittle, just because I watched him when he was at Iowa and watched what he was able to do as far as a blocker goes. And something that Mike Mayock pointed out to me, and I went back and did some confirmation bias on this just to make sure that I was actually seeing what he was seeing. Uh, when you go and you fire out of your stance as a blocker, there's a misstep a lot of times, and especially with tight ends that aren't natural and, and true blocking tight ends. Jake Butt doesn't have that. So what I'm saying is you're down in your three-point stance and you're, you're set. Your first motion should be forward and your hand should hit your target immediately. A lot of times what you'll see with, with tight ends that aren't true and natural blockers is what they'll do is they'll move their back foot back and then step through and then initiate contact. So they're leaning, they're leaning a little bit forward. They have to move their momentum back and then fire out of their stance and hit somebody. So with Jake Butt, you don't see that. George Kittle was another version of that where you didn't see that with him at Iowa. You didn't see that with it, with Jake Butt up at Michigan. So those two guys, as far as the blockers, now there was a question that came in that's, Excuse me. Uh, how is Jake Butt as a blocker? He's he's good firing out of his stance. Has good hand contact. It actually keeps his hands inside and does a very good job with his technique. But he's more of an effort blocker than a true mauler in that aspect. He's not a very strong kind of a player. He's more finesse than the actual true bully player. George Kittle was a much more stronger blocker at Iowa, and that, I mean that's just because of what they asked the tight end position to do there. Um, but at the same time. Jake, Butt's still a very good blocker for what he does. He's just not a, I'm going to grind your face into the ground and, and bully you down and take you over that way. He's going to be kind of more in the way and use more leverage than actual strength.
1: This is the overtime podcast network.
2: Yeah. And uh, one thing too, that I
3: noticed with him is talking about the strength is one big thing when it comes to blocking is grip strength. And that's your ability to really uh, highlight your ability to sustain blocks and Jake Butt doesn't have that. We have a couple donations here. Eclipse came in donating $1. Eclipse, thank you for the donation, man. We yeah. really appreciate that. Jeff C. came in with a $3.99 donation Said Highlights for Judy will be nice over the season. I'm sure they will. Like yeah. I'm super excited to see him. I'm super excited to watch what he does this year, even though he was my wide receiver three in the draft. And then Terry Randall from Canada, Lance. Canada. I um, know. The cap- the- I know. I <laughs> know. As the countdown continues, hashtag state of being, hashtag Broncos world. Thank you, Terry, for the donation. Um, countdown for what? Did I miss something? Oh,
2: uh, th- just the countdown. It's really just getting started now. Training camp is officially underway, oh, so the countdown okay. continues. No, okay. I, Terry Terry, I, 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 I get it
3: now. I get it now.
2: I thank you, Terry,
3: for the donation. Uh,
2: I, I heard you. I'm, on I'm, the, trying, the, I'm, I'm
3: trying to read what the things what the sign says behind you.
2: Oh, I can't. Quite I make I, it can't, out. I can't see it. I heard you, Terry, on the Huddle Up podcast the other day, and you did a really good job, man. It's 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 a lot harder to do what we do and to be up in front and and form cohesive sentences and and do a do a good job as far as giving takes and whatnot. And you actually you actually held your own. I was I'm pretty proud of you, man. And congratulations to you for being able to come on. Now, <laughs> let's. I'm uh, not
3: trying to be a Debbie Downer. I'm not. Eric, <laughs> hey,
2: Eric's kind I'm of sorry. Being a Debbie Downer. Eric's kind of being a Debbie Downer. Have you read any of the articles that I put out on milehighhuddle.com over the last week? I am being a Debbie Downer. I called Noah Fant the worst tight end in the AFC West this week. Like, well, not really. The Broncos <laughs> tight end room is the worst tight end room in the AFC West this week. Like, go and check that out, guys. However, I did have high praise. I had an article published, uh, published this morning on the Broncos offensive line. They are going to be a very sneaky good unit this year. I had a whole bunch of stats to go in there with it as well. Um, Garrett Bulls technically is the the best left tackle in the division right now, and I don't necessarily think that anyone can argue with that. The only one that you might be able to is Eric Fisher, but he also missed eight games last year and gave up gave up two sacks and 25 pressures on almost 200 total less snaps than Garrett Bowles did. So we'll, we'll see how it all shakes out, but Garrett Bowles technically is the best left tackle in the AFC West right now. Go ahead and, and check that out, milehighhuddle.com, guys.
3: And Dylan was absolutely right. It's, I'm, just, I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer. I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic when it comes to Jerry Judy and just the Broncos in general. It's just kind of my nature. I'm not an overly optimistic person as it is. Um, I tend to see the down things in everything. And uh, that's actually something that we'll talk about a little bit later because um, we have something that uh, I want to talk about at the end of the show. We'll definitely get to that. And Steven comes in and says, 11 more days until Madden 21 comes out. Um, Steven, let me know how it is. I don't buy Madden anymore. I, the same game. It's the same game every single year. I just I have no. I've lost interest in it, uh, I, and I don't play video games that much anymore. Really, although I have been getting into Call of Duty Warzone, but that's more so because I play with good friend of the podcast, Luke Polglaze.
2: Yeah, I actually have not played uh, Madden since what was Madden twenty five. I think that that was the one with Calvin Johnson on the cover, the Hall of Fame edition or whoever the heck it was. I have Somewhere not. Played, yeah, I haven't played Madden since then. So that was two thousand and thirteen. So I oh, I don't know. God. I don't. How long ago? Yeah, that was that long ago. But uh, anyways, guys, back to the Denver Broncos and what's going on with the with the Broncos at training camp. Just briefly here, and we, um, we had a question earlier. I, I do want to just address this really fast just because there are people freaking out all over Broncos country because Drew Locke threw two interceptions in practice today. And Eric, I know how you feel about training camp interceptions. Please educate these people.
3: Training camp interceptions means squat. Okay. Training camp is the time where you want to hash out the kinks. You want to get timing down with your receivers. Um, I can't remember the exact number, but I know um, in Patrick Mahomes, first year um, as a starting quarterback, that training camp, he had, he threw a bunch of interceptions. Um, and just like, in like the first four days, he threw like almost 20 interceptions. It was a ridiculous amount. Um, last year in the first few days of training camp, Jimmy Garoppolo threw a bunch of interceptions and he ended up going on to be one of the, um, not the best quarterbacks, but one of the safest quarterbacks when it came to throwing the ball. It's yep. getting that it's working out the kinks. It's working out the timing with the receivers. And that is something that Jerry Judy really, or not Jerry Judy drew lock really has to do because he has new receivers and Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler. And then Cortland Sutton, one of the interceptions they Corlin Sutton slipped during his route. I mean, like when your receiver slips, I mean, it's, it just sucks. Defender has, has no, no competition for the ball. So that's yeah. kind of that. And then talk about drew lock. I mean, outside of those two interceptions, I mean, well, really one interception that was really his fault. He looked really good today. He made some really sharp throws. He dropped some throws right in the bucket. Jeff Driscoll also looked really good today, and so did Brett Rippon. They all made some nice throws, and uh, there's definitely a clear pecking order here. Drew Locke is the number one quarterback. Jeff Driscoll is the number two, and Brett Rippon is the number three. That's about today that made that very clear. Now yep. can Brett Rippon um, go and compete for that number two spot? Possibly, but it, he's there's definitely a gap there, and uh, the reps in the um, team drills really showed that.
2: Yeah, it, I, I, Ryan O'Halloran actually has a piece up on the uh, on the Denver Post right now. If you guys get a, a chance to go check that out, really fast, where he breaks down exactly what happened at training camp today. And I mean, Drew Locke took, I think it was like thirty. It was it, they split it very clearly. Your number one, your number two, your number three. It was like thirty-five reps for Lock, twenty-five for uh, for Jeff Driscoll, and like 15, twelve or fifteen or something like that for for Brett and Like they made it very clear this is what's going to happen. This is how the, this is what the pecking order is. And Drew Locke actually looked really good from what I understand for the most part today, went uh, like 10, 10 out of 11 or 10 out of 12 in the 11 on 11 period, had a struggle in the, the, uh, the seven on sevens where he did throw an interception to, I mean, directly to Alexander Johnson. Um, so that's not necessarily the the best look for him in seven on sevens. You really want to dominate that session because there's no one coming. You don't have to step up, up in, into the pocket. It's, It's shells, literally. It's wide receivers versus cornerbacks and linebackers. There's no offensive or defensive lineman on the field, so you don't really have to to pick through the trash in front of you. You're looking at wide open field in front of you, and when you throw a ball directly into a linebacker's hands, one that's been really questioned as far as his coverage ability over the last, you know, what what last ten or eleven games that he played, he was not tasked to do coverage. And Alexander Johnson, when you throw a, a football directly into his hands. In a seven on seven period in the first practice, like that's not necessarily, you know, a very good sign. However, training camp interceptions mean absolutely zero. Drew Locke is still young. He has six, five games worth of starting experience. This is his first training camp as the true starting quarterback. And he also has a plethora of young wide receivers. I mean, Cortland Sutton's going into year three, and he's the elder statesman in the Broncos wide receiver room. Okay, so you guys got to calm down just a little bit. The, the interceptions mean absolutely zero. Now, so,
3: real quick, and- Chris Fernandez came in with a donation, $4.99. Thank you, Chris, for the donation. He says, at least there was a Callahan sighting with the training camp interceptions. Hashtag, he is real. Yes, he is real, and he had a great day today.
2: Yes, it, he did. <laughs> I have mean, a not
3: just day. the interceptions. He was tough in coverage.
2: Yeah. Uh, so Vic Fangio actually came out and said that he had a very good day. His foot feels great. He's healthy. He's ready to go. He's fired up and actually had a very good day. Not only did he have an interception in practice, um, he that was actually who intercepted Locke the second time on when Cortland Sutton slipped on his route and fell down. Uh, Bryce Callahan made a hell of a play on the football. I actually saw the highlight of that. Um, but Not only that, he had like two or three pass breakups as well where he's being very feisty in coverage and showing the ability that he had back in 2018 when he was with Vic Fangio and the Chicago Bears. So Bryce Callahan actually coming on very strong right now, but even bigger than Bryce Callahan. Is probably what's going on at the Broncos right tackle position. And obviously Juwan James opted out of the of the 20 2020 season due to issues with the ongoing pandemic and everything going on with that. Elijah Wilkinson coming back off of the, the physically unable to perform list after offseason ankle surgery, but he rotated snaps. Elijah Wilkinson did with Jake Rogers and Jake Rogers actually had a fairly decent day from what it sounds like other than struggling outside with Von of Von Miller, Miller. <laughs> outside of Von Miller, but what right tackle doesn't struggle with Von Miller. I mean, he's the best pass rusher in the NFL. So. Well, well, that's true. Trent Brown, actually <laughs> Trent Brown, Trent did Brown a- had a pretty good run.
3: game against him too. Yes, uh, last year, almost every single tackle had a good game. Miller, good game against Miller. Cause Miller was not good last year. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that obviously he's not going to be the starter. Um, and then there's the whole thing that DeMar Dotson, he was just signed that he's still getting acclimated and all this stuff like that, getting the playbook down. So obviously he's not going to be in there. I think he's just a placeholder right now rotating with Elijah Wilkinson. But I think that the reason why this is news is that it kind of points to him being the offensive tackle four, yep. which should be very concerning. And I know that a lot of people here hate it when I absolutely start talking about Garrett Bowles, but I'm sorry. I kind of got to here, but if Jake Rogers ends up as a number four guy, they better hope that Garrett Bull stays out there on the field because Jake Rogers can't play left tackle. Elijah Wilkinson, I have no faith in his ability to play left tackle. And DeMar Dotson, just leave him at the right side. Like, Just yeah. leave him there. That's what he's done for so long. Like, You don't want to flip him because, as multiple offensive linemen have said, that it's easier to go from tackle to guard than it is to go from playing the right side to the left side without experience. And it's like trying to wipe your own butt with your left hand or non-dominant hand for those of you who are left-handed. It's like doing that. So you have to do something, do it completely differently. And it just feels weird and unnatural and just just weird.
2: Yeah. I don't know. Honestly, I think that Jake Rogers is probably going to win that swing tackle job anyways, just because I think Elijah Wilkinson is going to be the swing tackle guard. And and he's going to be the first guy on the field, regardless of who goes down. So if Dalton Reisner goes down, Elijah Wilkinson's coming in. If Graham Glasgow goes down at right guard, Elijah Wilkinson's coming in. He's going to be that first guy. Doesn't matter who goes off the field. Whether it's Garrett Bowles, Dotson, it, like seriously, he's going to be the first guy. Jake Rogers is probably going to be the primary left tackle position switch out. Uh, as far as like if Garrett Bowles goes down, I would see. I would rather see Jake Rogers come in than Elijah Wilkinson, especially after what we saw with Wilkinson last year at right tackle. And I think Jake Rogers can at least do that, even though he struggled last year. But I really don't want to see Elijah Wilkinson playing tackle in the NFL ever again, just plain and simple. Yeah. But the yeah. fact of the matter is, he's and- going to be that guy.
3: I think that the only one to really push for Rodgers for that swing tackle spot is Quinn Bailey, um, and he's got to show that he can play both sides of it. I think that's 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 going to be the key. If you want to earn that number four tackle spot for Calvin Anderson, Hunter Watts, or Quinn Bailey, they have to go out there and they have to show they can play either side and play it well because Jake Rodgers last year, I mean, he was he, in the preseason. He looked really good at right tackle, and I know Nick Kendall, he, um, our colleague, he's often talked about how um he got owned I'm pretty against the Arizona Cardinals it was um by a fourth by a fourth uh, fourth or fifth round rookie and everything but that came when he was playing left tackle he looked so unnatural there he was terrible playing left tackle at right tackle he's actually pretty good um Dylan Von Arx came up with a $5 donation saying just showing some love for ha- love hashtag #dvdd um thank you Dylan for the donation we really appreciate that and then there's a question earlier that's one that I at least really wanted answered Lance I know you don't do Aren't into college football? Well, I don't want to say that. You don't do as much work with college football as I do. No, um, but he asked, um, "What player could have been this year's Joe Burrow?" But can't have a big season because of because the nineteen that shall go unnamed. And I think James Campbell actually took him. I saw him in there. And it's the
2: um, whatever Dakota State it is. North North Dakota State quarterback Trey Lance. I knew exactly who you were going oh, with this. No, 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 no. Not the
3: quarterback. The offensive tackle, the um, left tackle. Oh, Red- uh, Dylan Raddums. Yeah. Radun's, I however say his name, I'm terrible with names. I, I Seriously, real quick, I, I practiced for about 15 minutes learning how to say Albert Okawebinom's name because I had to do a recording talking about him. And I know I had—I have to say it correctly for the recordings and everything, and I still butcher a bunch of different names. Seriously, 15 minutes of just playing it on Google over and over and over and over again, saying it. And I still had to try to, to take that recording over three different times because I kept messing it up. But, yeah, Dylan Raddins would be my guy. I mean, he's a guy who I really believe that he could push for not the top tackle spot. That's definitely the Oregon guys. But he could push for that number two tackle spot if he was able to have a season.
2: Samuel Cosme. Fringe first rounder oh, potentially. Oh, I I love Samuel Cosme at the, at the left tackle position. In fact, uh, I can't remember who it was that did a mock draft earlier to uh, earlier this week that had the Broncos taking Samuel Cosme at the left tackle position. But uh, it, he he could probably be that that offensive tackle number two uh, over Alex Leatherwood. So that that would be my guy. I don't <laughs> like Samuel Cosme. I'm not a you're fan of his tape.
3: It. Like just not a fan of him, man.
2: Hey, um, I saw somebody. He's he's a, he's a He's a dancing bear, is what he is. He's a very finesse player. He's not a a, a mauler. That at, le- yeah, at he's least for me, pushed
3: seen. over every.
2: All he's the time. pretty much, yeah. He's he's very weak, but you know what? He's very technically. He has very good hand placement. He's a is a dancing oh, bear. Good he, feet. Um, he, he reminds really- me of what's his
3: face? Um, the blindside guy, Michael Orr. Yes. He reminds me of him because Michael Orr. He wasn't a big mauler guy. He was. I mean, I know that Phil made him out to be, but he really wasn't. He was that dancing bear type, and he struggled in the NFL because he couldn't handle power. Yep. Um. Cody. Cody Potter came in with the five dollar nation. Will Drew Locke be able to see a five foot eight Lindsay on a swing pass over Giant Dotson and Broncos Week One predictions? Denver twenty four, Tennessee nine. My pick. Um, I'm actually not going to do a prediction. Um, simply because I have a video coming out that's going. I I know I did a sixteen week preview earlier couple months ago, but uh, during the season I'm going to do one that's even more in depth and there will have my prediction for it for that game and everything and I still have to go do all my film stuff and film breakdown of the Tennessee Titans for that and get that all figured out but yeah, um, definitely. And then as for being able to see Drew Locke, the question is I mean, it is a good question if we will be able to see him. I mean, behind the six foot nine, Damar Dotson uh, who according to Beast rivals me in height because I'm seven foot <laughs> but uh, then the question becomes, is will Philip Lindsay catch the ball? Like if he yeah. does see him? But we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah.
2: That was one thing. And everyone's been hyping up Philip Lindsay right now and everything that he's got going on as far as catching the football. He's been putting in work. And I mean, they've shown the, the hype videos. And there's the one where he's standing there pumping his arms back and forth and putting his hands up and catching the ball. And standing there pumping his arms back and forth, putting it up and catch the ball. Okay, you can work on your hands all you want to, buddy, but can you actually learn how to run a route? Please, I want you to show some patience in the screen game. Set up your blockers a little bit. Come out from behind your blockers. Catch the ball on a reliable basis. Just catch the ball first thing, and then still be able to work your way through some traffic, which you're actually pretty decent at, showing some quick burst first step ability, and move that way. I also want to see if you can run a, a circle route, an arrow route, a, fl- a quality flat route where you come out of pass protection, which you're not going to be asked to do. Philip Lindsay, I understand. You've got a chip on your shoulder, dude, and you and, – there's a lot. To Have prove. a chip on your shoulder. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's
3: there's nothing wrong with that.
2: Yeah, go out there but and prove and prove us wrong. That's yeah. what it comes down to. Yep. And, uh. and people people can get pissed off all they want to, but you know what? Philip Lindsay proved all right for the last two years. I mean, Royce Freeman. The reason they wouldn't got Gordon. Yeah, Royce Freeman proved Philip Lindsay wrong. The entire time when Philip Lindsay said, well, I'm a, I'm a better receiver than everybody wants it. uh, Royce Freeman had more catches and more targets last year and half as amount of time as Philip Lindsay saw on the field, plain and simple. Like there's, there's a lot to go into this. And it's not just the the ability to catch the football. Let's like, let's show some ability as a route runner because right now you have one speed. It's that quick first step and I'm at high speed and I'm not going to stop running at high speed until I hit the ground or I knock myself out on the goalpost. One of the two, like there's, you have to show some nuance. You have to show some patience. You have to be able to slow your feet down, set your blockers up in the, in the screen game. You have to flash your hands and then move and then flash your hands again. Like there's a lot of different things going as a route runner at the running back position that Philip Lindsay just doesn't do. Yep, yeah, and uh, there's a lot more that we have to talk about running
3: backs, especially the running back three battle. I know Beast asked about it, but there was somebody that made a comment about how after the season I should do – a grade for jerry judy henry ruggs and cd lamb i definitely will as long as i don't forget like i actually had had full intentions and in do that i just can't forget doing that um and that's somebody and cody potter asks when's the next round of cuts the next round of cuts is at the at the end of september or end of august when they cut down to the 53 they go straight to 80 to 53 they did away with the two cut down days yeah um so it's just the final one now anyways back to running backs here really quick september 5th 4 p.m eastern James Campbell coming in and saving our butts because I didn't know when it actually was. I couldn't
2: tell yeah. you the day or anything. Anyways, all, running back all, three James for the win. James Campbell for the win. Every he season. He saves our butt a, know, a lot. Win. You know that. <laughs> if you ever want to know anything, <laughs> get it, James Campbell. Uh, I believe he actually uh, dropped his first article right before the Broncos signed Demar Dotson saying how the Broncos need to go out and sign Riley Reef. This was earlier this week. Uh, Changed his story. It wasn't. Was I'm idea. with you. It was a better idea. Yes, it was. Uh, James, make sure you drop your Twitter handle in the chat, please. I believe it's uh, Campbell, MHH, or something like that. It used to be Ad Jolt from the Holt. But, uh, yeah, yes. get get, your, get at James because that guy knows a lot about football. Even being from London, I mean, if it, he is – very smart and very astute. He knows a lot about the NFL and what's going on. So thank you again, James, for, for getting back at us. Now back to the running back. very right, good.
3: Real quick, James, I want to come back to your comment about uh, Tesca making the squad over reed I really want to come back to that. Yeah. Don't let us forget. We just got to get through this last few stuff. Um, there's a Twitter handle, at James C underscore MHH. Make sure you guys are go following him. Um, and then Todd Anderson came and said, then there's a the 12 on the practice squad. There's 16 on the practice squad now. That's been fixed. or That's been changed. Anyways, running back three now. Um, Royce Freeman has the leg up on it, and one of his main competitions, or or his main piece of competition, really, was Levante Bellamy. He was terrible today. Like, even, I mean, everybody, I'm sure everybody's heard about the two drops. One of them, granted, was low, but he dropped two balls. And when you're a guy who has a speed and everything like that, you've got to be able to catch the ball because you work best in space. Can't work out of space if you don't catch the ball. Now, I think, and really doing the study on him when I did my player profile for him. Is Jeremy Cox? I think that he has a more sh- more of a shot at winning running back three than than uh, Lavon Bellmy does because he's got size, he's got power, he's got good speed, he can block, he can run between the tackles, he can run outside the tackles, and he can catch. He can do it all. He's that guy that they kind of wanted Royce Freeman to be. That Royce Freeman isn't. So I really like I, I really like Jeremy Cox. We'll see what happens. I think that Royce Freeman will continue to have a leg up on him, and I think his receiving ability is going to keep him there. But I also think it's the fact that the Broncos don't want to give up on him just yet with the third round pick invested in him.
2: Yeah. It's been kind of unfortunate watching Royce Freeman just because the players that we saw at uh, Oregon where they were running a lot of inside zone and he was really doing a good job with that. When he got to the NFL level, he really wants to start to be that home run threat that he never had the speed to be able to do that. And he wants to work on the outside and work his way back in and not run the true inside zone that they were running at Oregon. And for some reason that just boggles my mind. However, it's, it's very good to have a guy like him. He plays so similarly to Melvin Gordon. They actually have a very similar uh, style of play. Melvin Gordon's probably a lot more suited to run the inside zone and actually does a lot better doing that. But actually, Royce <laughs> what do you mean?
3: Um, so I mentioned earlier that I was doing a piece on the running backs and the battle between Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay, and some of that as I talk about, I break them down between inside running, outside running, receiving, and blocking. And actually, Philip Lindsey was a lot better between the tackles than Melvin Gordon was.
2: Really, that's a lot better. Well, that's like significantly better. That doesn't even better
3: outside the tackles
2: too. That doesn't surprise me though, because Philip Lindsay, right. especially with with his size and stature and his quick first step agility, and he does those little slalom runs where he's jumping back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. He wades and he scrapes through the trash as a running back to be able to scrape through the trash on the defensive line and create a a tiny, might new little sliver of a running lane and turn a one yard loss into a four yard gain or even a even a six, seven, eight yard gain because he did that a lot last year as well running between the tackles, even though it's not, he's not like built and suited for it. He's actually very good at it because he's so small and he's so quick getting through the hole. Melvin Gordon's a power runner. He's going to bring more power coming in and hitting the hole. But still, at the same time, he doesn't have the speed to run on the outside. Philip Lindsay does. He has that quick first step to be able to get and break the edge if he needs to. Melvin Gordon's not going to do that. He's a long speed, not a quick first step. And if you want to have a, a good runner on the outside, you have to have a quick first step, get to top speed as, as quickly as you can, and literally break the edge. Melvin Gordon and, doesn't have that.
3: And real quick, too, is with Philip Lindsay, his quickness is what makes him good. He doesn't have long speed. He's quick. He's yeah, agile. He added 10 pounds. How much is that going to weigh him down? We have seen multiple times before players add, I keep shaking my desk. Um, we've seen multiple players add like 10, 15, even five pounds, and they they drop in their quickness. Von Miller, historically, in 2013, that's the year he added all that weight. Then he got hurt um, and missed time and got, had the suspension and everything. But he added that weight for it, and he lo- didn't look the same. He looked a little bit slower, less explosive out there. So it's going to be very interesting to see how this affects Philip Lindsay adding 10, 10 extra pounds to his body, um, a, a smaller framed body at that. So yeah, it's going yeah. to be interesting to see. And then um, real quick, let's finish up this stuff, and then I want to get back to James' question or James' comment about Tuska and then the thing at the end. But uh, talk about wide receiver real quick. We, I mean, we talked about Judy. Hamilton had a really good day out there. And then as today showed with KJ Hamler, you got to deal with the highs – Or you got to deal with the lows for the highs. He had a huge catch down the sideline, but he also had a drop, a very bad drop that led to an interception. So you just got to deal with both of that from him.
2: Yeah, they were working in in a red zone drill and – I believe it was Jeff Driscoll through the football and it went right directly through KJ Hamler's ha- hands and it was above his head, but he still should have made that catch. I mean, right directly through his hands and Trey Marshall picked it off in the back of the end zone. So uh, that's a, that's a big thing with him is, and that was something that we talked about a lot on Dove Valley deep divers with, with KJ Hamler's the drop issues that he had at Penn state. I believe it was like over 16%. He had a, a like a very high drop rate. Um, you have to work with that with him. Um, the speed, the explosion is great to have. I really want to see him on jet sweeps. I keep pounding that table, jet sweeps and, and bubble screens, stuff like that. Get him the ball in space and let him use that elite speed. But you, you have to work with him on catching the football. He had a great diving catch down the sideline, I believe is what it was from, from Jeff Driscoll as well. Yeah. But man, like that one drop. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He beat Duke, da- Duke Dawson on that where he, he I mean, full extension layout is a beautiful play, um, But uh the, the frustrating drop right over the middle of the field where it went right through his hands and, and turned into an interception in the end zone. Like you can't have that from a guy from KJ Hamler. You absolutely have to catch that football, man.
3: Yeah, definitely. And uh, it's good to see Deshaun Hamilton had somebody uh,
2: um,
3: had a good day. I mean, he showed that chemistry with Drew Locke there towards the end. Um, but, man, your whole thing was wanting to see jet sweeps from that. I don't know how you haven't had enough of that after last year with Noah Fant. I don't want to see a jet sweep in Denver for years. It's a lot different when you have a guy that I runs... I don't care.
2: I don't want to see them. And they better <laughs> yeah. listen to me. When you have a guy that runs four two seven with an with uh, a quick first-step ability like K.J. Hamler, or even Philip Lindsay would have been a better jet sweep player. You have Noah Fant, man, on an unblocked jet sweep too, an unblocked edge defender on a jet sweep, and you just pulled uh, Jawan James. You have to at least chip that guy. Completely untouched Max Crosby. The first play of the game is the worst play design I've ever seen in my life. Noah motions, uh, Fant motions in on a, on a zip motion, motions across, gets a, a turnaround jet sweep handoff, and unblocked edge defender Max Crosby like sat there and was like, are you kidding me? I'm wide open on the very first play, <laughs> and here we go. I'm going to get a tackle to start. And it was the end of everything for the Broncos that game because Juwan James didn't even chip him. Didn't there was no attempt to literally untouched and edge defender. It's awful. Please. If you're going to do something Lance. like that, you gotta have a guy that has some, some ability to first step quickness, cut up inside and get back up behind the, the offensive lineman. They, oh, so, so bad. Lance. I
3: love or, it, man, but you're so easy to trigger when talking about that. Uh, <laughs> just mention uh, it. Just gets him going.
2: It uh, literally has me to the end. Uh, one last thing really fast. I, I do want to get this in, and then, Eric, I'll let you do your thing before we get out of here. Um, the one other big piece of news from Broncos camp coming in today was, uh, the again, on the offensive line, and it has to do with the center position. And Lloyd Cushenberry, the Broncos' third-round pick in 2020, is not at playing with the first team right now. He's struggling to pick up the playbook and, and everything like that. Again, with the rookies, you don't want to have your rookies out there starting right off the bat. You're going to throw some different stuff out there. Austin Slotman actually came in and was the starter over Patrick Morris. So that's going to be a very interesting uh, competition to watch there with, with uh, Schlottman and Morris. Morris actually played better at right guard than he did at center, but everyone was kind of under the impression that Schlottman was going to play as like a swing guard, kind of a candidate there with Natani Moody not being able to come in. Um, But uh, with Patrick Morris, not being the starter there, Austin Schlottman, that kind of speaks volumes as to what we really think about uh, Austin Schlottman and Pat, Pat Morris being Mike Munchak's true pet project. Now, guys, uh, don't want to do this in a hold like, on, stop. hold on. Um, real quick on that is
3: I think that the thing of Washington Slotman, I he's just a placeholder. Lloyd yeah. Christian Bear, he's still getting the play, he's still getting the playbook down. They want him to start. Um, so I think that's just all that is there. And then uh James, he's I wanted to get this too, is I think Tusca makes the squad ahead of Reed. Tusca seems to have more value than Reed, who should have a pretty good chance of sticking on to the practice squad. I know I, we always overvalue players. Tusca has buzz. Um, I actually agree. I think that the big difference here is that uh, Tusk is sh- able to defend the run. Malik Reed yeah. was, ter- was I don't want to say terrible there. He wasn't good there last year. And then there's the whole issue that Malik Reed, he hit a wall and he completely plateaued and fell off a cliff there towards the middle of the season to the end of the season. Started off hot and just couldn't sustain it, which is why we saw Jeremiah Tauchu step in and do and kind of fill that role. Um, so I think that those are two big things that uh, Tuska has going for him. I also think the fact that he plays with power and strength is a, another big bonus for him. That whereas, was, Reed well, is, whereas Reed is just athleticism and quickness. Um, but he's got to step up. Otherwise, he's going to be like Jeff Holland and make the roster last year and then not make it this year.
2: Yeah, no, I actually agree with you on that. I was going to bring that up. Uh, Malik Reed has no power, no strength to his game at all. And that was that was where he actually failed. When, when he was actually winning with that first step quickness and the, the ability to bend and get and get around the edge like that, there weren't offensive linemen and tight ends chipping him and stuff like that. It was like the early in the season, the, the San Diego Char- – the Los Angeles Chargers game, excuse me, week five. He actually had a really good game, a sack and a half in that game. Um, really looked like a promising edge uh, depth piece right after Bradley Chubb left. Uh, with his torn ACL. But when when guys were out there and they were firing off the ball and chipping him and, and everything like that, he got pushed off balance so many times, and he's a liability in the running game. Derek Tuska has the opportunity because he understands leverage. He has a very good length. Uh, his arms, uh, his arms are, I think, 34 and a half or 35 inches long, that's very bad. long arms. He's like, so he understands leverage length and uses and uses good power, pa- like speed to power is the biggest thing. Uh, Malik yeah. Reed doesn't have that. So that's, that's the biggest thing. Now, Eric, I'm going to let you. Take the- <laughs> Sorry,
3: we, yeah. we actually have a super chat. Oh, that's all I came in and said, Eric uh, donating $5. Thank you, Dennis, for that. Eric, great. Judy Lamb rugs at the end of the season. Let's see if Judy trickles down to three. I like the pun there. Um, Really like the pun. Anything involved in my last name. Awesome. Awesome puns. Um, But yeah, as I said, I plan on doing that. I just can't forget by the end of the season. Um, I saw somebody else mention why haven't we signed Logan Ryan? That's because Logan Ryan's terrible. And then before we get out of here, I want to get to address this. Rob Williams says, you guys can't have it both ways. Downplay locks, picks and drill hammer for dropping a pass. Seems a little unfair. It's first day of training camp. If it continues to happen, then yeah, drill accordingly. Love the show. Keep up the good work. And the big difference is, is that Hamler had a drop 25% of passes in college. It was an issue in college, and here it is. And the pass that he dropped, it hit him right in the hands. There is no excuse for that drop whatsoever. It's not an issue of timing. It's not an issue of lack of chemistry with the receivers. It is just the fact that it hit his hands, bounced off, and ended up in, in, with an interception. Now, if it was a situation where the it was a little bit out of his reach and he was reaching for it or it was a little bit early there and it, he was reaching for it and it hit his hands, something like that, then it is an issue of timing. And that is something that we wouldn't drill him as much for but it hit his hands. It bounced out of his hands. And it's an issue that he had going back to college. It's a sustained issue that needs to be coached out of him. And we're not trying to drill him for it. We're just trying to sit there and say that that's an issue that they've got to work on. And it's an issue that they've had to work on for a while now.
2: Yeah. There's a big difference between, between like learning the quarterback position, learning new weapons and whatnot, and doing a basic task in the NFL game. Yeah. Like, The quarterback position is the most important position in sports. It's the hardest position in sports to learn. And you're going to have some ups and downs, especially as a young quarterback, as a wide receiver, your one, literally your one job is to catch the football every time. If it hits your hands, you should catch it like period that. I mean, Jerry Rice said that Rod Smith said that Ed McCaffrey said that all the great wide receivers say, if it hits you in the hands, you should catch the football. That ball hit KJ Hamler directly in the hands. It was above his head, but it hit him in the hands. He should catch that football every single time.
3: Yeah. Now, guys, uh, it's going to get a little bit of a somber note, and I'm actually going to be a little bit of a Debbie down here. Um, But uh, something happened this week, and I just kind of want to talk about this. And I just want to say that um, if any of you guys are ever feeling down, um, feeling like that you are in a dark spot and don't have a way out, um, feel free to reach out to me. Um, you guys know my Twitter. It's right there on the screen at Eric trickle. Uh, It's not a burden to me. I'm always here. I'm always open. I know how it feels to be in a dark spot. Um, It's uh, it's something that I've dealt with a lot um, over the years and everything. So feel free to reach out to me. If you guys don't want to reach out to me, there's an awesome, awesome um, source here. And it's this national suicide prevention hotline Um, numbers right there on the screen. Um, Just, no matter what's going on, guys, uh, things do get better. I know it, you, it may be hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel now, um, but things do get better. And uh, we as a community, we're here for you. If you need any help with anything, if you're in a dark spot, whatever the case may be, um, just just got to reach out. Just let us know. And uh, we're here for you. Like We have an awesome community. Um, just Just, just got to reach out. We'll be here for you.
2: Yeah. Always hit me at Sanderson MHH if you guys are ever in any any kind of a situation um, for not to try to ruin anything here. Um, We got reached out to and uh, we know you're listening. We hope you're listening. And if you ever need anything, reach out to me at Sanderson MHH as well. Um, Direct message me. I am always there for you guys um we're we're definitely there for you and uh yeah it's very difficult right now so hopefully we hear back from you soon we we do hope to hear back from you soon all right to to wrap today's episode up guys uh once again follow us on twitter at sanderson mhh for for eric at eric trickle follow the show at dvdd underscore pod. Um, make sure you guys are following at mile high huddle as well for instant news and updates on your Denver Broncos. But, uh, but for today, we're going to wrap it up here. Um, you guys stay safe and take care. And if you ever thank need. You.
3: Thank you, Terry, for the $2 donation.
2: Yeah. Appreciate thank, that. thank you for, for everything. It's for everything you guys do. You guys make us want to come in here every single day and, and do this. It's, Without your guys' support and without people like that reaching out to us, like we you guys don't understand. This isn't just football. This is this is family. So you guys stay safe and and take care and have a great rest of your weekend. And we'll see you guys next week.
1: You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.